0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You probably feel like it's the third week in March right now, and you're coming off 12 hours of watching fantastic college basketball action, and we are here to break it all down for you on the field of 68 after dark. This was the slate of the season. That's what I've been told. And it passed the eye test. We had buzzer beaters. We had top five teams against each other going wire to wire. We had upsets galore and we're going to break it all down. I'm Greg Waddell. We've got Jeff Goodman. We've got Matt McCall and we've got a debut of the one and only Tyler Hansbro North Carolina zone, Tyler. I got to just go to you quickly first. It is a pleasure to have you here. How do you feel making your debut on After Dark?
2: Hey man, I'm glad to be here with you guys, and uh, it's a great day for all Tar Heels. It was a big <laughs> win for us, so I'm feeling real good about it, and uh, you know I'm excited to be here.
3: Smart are you man. Nervous? Hey, hey Tyler, are you nervous? Admit you're more nervous doing this than you ever were stepping on the court. Come on. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, you know, I don't have much practice (laughs) at this. Hey, the best thing, Greg, let me start with this. All right, the best thing for having Tyler doing this is if you had told me maybe the 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 kid back when I first met him at 16, 17, 18 years old, least likely to be on After Dark, it might have been Tyler (laughs) Hansbrough. Am I wrong, Tyler? It's not even close. Uh yeah, I I mean back in college,
2: I had no interest. But, uh, you know, as you get a little older, uh, you know, I, I still enjoy watching the game and breaking it down. So, yeah, I enjoy talking about it for sure. Listen, love-
1: when, when we convinced you to do this, we did not know that we were going to get a North Carolina buzzer beater turned into a winning game against another top 25 team. We had no idea. Apparently, that's how it works when you work with Tyler Hansbro. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Tyler, just so you know, I think we told you this beforehand, but we start every single show with our toast of the night. So we're going to go around the horn. There's certainly plenty to choose from, given all of today's action. Goodman, let's throw it to you first. Who's your toast tonight?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm going to one Peter Nance here today. Uh, he's had a kind of a rough go. You know, the numbers haven't been bad, but, you know, he hasn't been what Brady Manic was. And I think that's the hardest part for Pete Nance, is filling Brady Manic's shoes. And today, he made a shot that, we'll talk about this might have altered North Carolina's entire season. So to Pete Nance, one of the real good guys in college basketball as well. Pete hey, Nance,
1: big 10 guy. I can still claim him by the way. Yes. Matt, let's go to you next.
4: Who you got? So I'm not trying to make this an all North Carolina deal tonight, <laughs> uh, even though uh, I'm excited to have Tyler on here and and get his thoughts on the game. But I just think it's so awesome to watch Coach Williams in the stands, cheering, smiling, laughing. Like we were talking before we got on the air, like I don't know if you've ever seen a former coach, a Hall of Fame coach sit in the stands and cheer on his team the way Coach Williams does. So I just think that's really neat. I think it's awesome. He's supporting his former player, his former assistant coach. So um, you know what? I'm going to toast Coach Roy Williams tonight. And I know his golf game is much better than mine. So toast
2: to
1: him. Daggum it. All right, Tyler, you're up next.
2: I got to give my toast to, uh, well, it's going to be all Carolina now. Uh, (laughs) Hubert Davis. I think he did a great job, uh, you know, drawing that play up. And I think it shows a lot of growth, especially from, you know, those, uh, I can't remember the tournament uh, in Portland uh, where those, you know, those, Last second plays, they weren't the best quality shots that you would take, but drawing up that play in the garden tonight and uh, sitting into overtime was big for him. So I got to give him a, a toast for that one.
1: Big time, cheers! All right, clearly the three of you are just so excited to get into our first segment here. Give me uh, 10 <laughs> seconds and we'll go in depth on Carolina today. Uh, but yeah, you got to give yours. Come on, I'm, I'm gonna give my. I'm gonna go a different route. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. Over to was this game in Birmingham? I think it was Bir- Birmingham, neutral site. I'm going yeah. to Gonzaga. Uh, and don't Drew call Timmy, this a neutral site first. It's a quote unquote it neutral is not site. A neutral Goodman, site. come on, listen. Hey, I just read what it tells me. Goodman, right, I, listen. Right. Drew Timmy was fantastic, but he's not my toast. I'm actually going to give my toast to the Zaga guards today because I think over the last month, if they've had issues, it's come from the backcourt. And I was very concerned how, in particular, Nolan Hickman versus Bolton, Malachi Smith would respond against the way Alabama plays. They get up in your shit. It's an up and down game. And pretty much across the board, Bolton was a kind of inefficient day, but everybody else shot over 50% from the floor. They took care of the basketball. They hit timely shots when needed. Uh, And even despite Brandon Miller's best attempts to steal that game. Every time it got cut to a two possession game, one of those guards made a big play, kept it out of striking distance. So to the Gonzaga backcourt, you've got my cheers tonight. All right. And with that, let's jump right in, because we certainly have plenty of action, plenty of games themselves to break down. We're going to Tyler Hansbro's own Tar Heels first. 89-84 was the final, but... In case you didn't see it, let's just walk through how we got there. A crazy end game here. Bryce Sensabaugh hits what you think is a game winner. A pull-up. Tough one, too. I mean, well-defended for the most part. Just an NBA next-level type shot. <clears throat> Carolina throws the full-court-ish heave. They get it right across half-court. They take the quick timeout. Then it's the throw over the shoulder to the corner to Pete Nance. Kind of looked like they were either drawing up a dummy action to get Caleb Love off of a little back screen. Didn't have enough time to make the pass. He catches in one motion. He shoots the fadeaway. Bang. Sends it to overtime where North Carolina pulls away, wins by five points. So for a very up and down start this season, for a North Carolina team that many have questioned their effort, their ability to truly contend this season, the simple question after this result, Tyler, is, Are the Tar Heels back?
2: Are they back? Uh, I I said, uh, you know, Jeff kind of hit the the nail on the head. You know, I said when Brady left uh, after this year, I thought he brought a leadership that um, and a competitiveness nature that was pretty much unmatchable. And I think the whole team kind of fed off that last year. And you saw that when Dawson Garcia transferred. Uh, are they back? I think they're closer than, uh, they've ever been, uh, for sure. Uh, I was joking. We're on a three game winning streak, but I will say what the Tar Heels (laughs) did today, uh, they got punched in the face early. It looked like they came out just, you know, just one of those kind of stale games. And then all of a sudden something happened. They flipped that switch and they started competing and playing, And I've always said, I said um, before the game, a big key to this game is going to be assist. And I think we ended up with 20 assists. I don't know uh, what we've been doing for an average, but I know it hasn't been 20 assists and it's been a struggle all year. And also Caleb Love having seven assists, that's big time for this team. And I know RJ, um, when RJ is clicking, we've talked about it. This team is really good. And I think he's the biggest X factor in the country. And I think that's a big reason for the second half emergence of this team. And also Armando had a big game. I thought Armando, uh, midway through the first, he really started getting comfortable, got into his groove, got his confidence, started playing. And like I said, you know, I've said this on on my podcast is I want to see the Tar Heels compete, have fun, and look like they enjoy playing basketball. And I think a lot of Tar Heel fans are like, man, our energy's just not there. I mean, it's just like they lose and just like, you know, just kind of walking off the court. And today, for some reason, it looked like an old-school backyard brawl, just going haymaker after haymaker. You look in the crowd, you're seeing Coach Williams jumping up and down. It just felt like a classic game. And the past, uh, I think it was Leaky Black made to Pete Nance, was just incredible. And honestly, when that play happened and they threw the ball all the way to half court and we called that timeout, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, God, I can't wait to see what kind of shot Me we too. get. Because Me too. Like <laughs> I was like, I can't. A step back three contested? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, I was laughing because I was texting Frazier. I was like, man, I wonder what we're going to do with this. And bam. I mean, the great pass. I mean, it was a tough shot. Sent it right into overtime. Gave us some momentum. It was huge.
4: Yeah, Tyler, I got to be honest. There was about five minutes to go in in the game and Caleb Love comes down and he misses back-to-back threes. And the very next possession, he shoots another one. And I think at that point in time, Carolina was maybe 6 for 26 or or some some awful percentage at that point in the game. And he comes down and he shoots another one, and that's when R.J. Davis got – I'm like, why – like, attack the paint, get the ball to the paint, get the ball to the paint. And then R.J. Davis gets the offensive rebound on the and one. It's like, okay, now they got something going. And then he comes down the next possession, hits Leaky Black in the corner for the three there. And then the whole scenario down the stretch where – they get the ball to half court. They call timeout. And it's like, okay, Coach Davis knows exactly what he's doing here, right? There's two seconds on the clock. Nobody flinched. Hey, we're, this is what we're doing. We're getting the ball to half court. We're going to call timeout. We're going to run this play. They do all the misdirection and skip it, which is not an easy pass for anyone to make, to make that pass with the game on line, to skip it all the way across the floor, and then to make the shot with the game on the line man I, I you know I, I don't know if this is a, t- a turning point I've, I've been on this this uh, the field of 68 before and talking about this and carolina they were in a similar position last year they were 5 and 4 they were 0 and 2 in the ACC, and there's no reason to count them out yet. But (coughs) I just thought the job that Coach Davis did, especially down the stretch, and I I was sitting there with five minutes going, like, why are they shooting threes? Why why does K-Love keep taking threes? Get the ball to the basket. And he took another one. R.J. Davis gets the offensive rebound on the A-1. I thought that was just – I thought that play was arguably the biggest play in the game, you know, and then they were able to win.
2: Yeah, that was a huge play, and that was a winning play. And also, that was one of those plays that your teammates would feed off of, and it brings that excitement. You saw the crowd get into it. Uh, But I will say we've been horrendous from the three-point line. I think We still shot 21%, which isn't anything to brag about. And I think, you know, you said it. You talked about Caleb just uh, having that freedom of just clang, clang, clang. And as, as Carolina fans, I know we're just sitting here because some of those threes that he that he shoots and are contested and they don't look like quality shots, sometimes they go in and we celebrate then. And then sometimes like ah, and <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a stat for this, but we we might shoot more contested uh, threes than any team in the country. And I think we honestly play our best basketball when it has nothing to do with a play call. I think when guys are pushing the ball, having good tempo, and Armando is able to seal and I think his old school rim run is just something that's missing in basketball. Too many, you know, Carolina fans or or whatever, they're looking for a play to get Armando the ball. And people say we should go down low more. No, it's on the post player as well to demand the ball down. You can put your head down and rim run anytime you can seal, duck in, and i think armando did that very well today also he plays well when he gets putbacks rebounds and gets the ball around the basket i'm not a big fan when he catches it you know 2 or 2 or 3 feet off the block because i think it's easily defendable with a double team and that's kind of where we struggle but i think we're great when we don't have to have a play and the kids are just playing and running and moving based off of what the you know you know how the flow of the game is going
1: Tyler, how much of North Carolina's problems this year to this point have been effort related in your mind? Because they didn't have that today and the result worked out. But is this just a team that gets up for the games they want to get up for? And how do you fix that?
2: Effort? Uh, I don't know if effort's the right way. I, I would say I would say there's I I feel it's – they get easily discouraged. So, if if like, momentum has a huge deal to do with this team. Once they get into the rhythm, uh, you know, it seems like they turn it around and turn it back on. But sometimes I've seen this team, you know, I think it's – I think it comes down to quality shots and sharing the ball. I think assist, you can say, you know, was it effort or not. I think we play with effort. Um, You know, I'm not sure we see the excitement that – you know, some teams that I had where we're jumping around, high fiving, and really celebrating, and pointing at the passer. Maybe we're, we're missing that, but uh, I think it has to do with uh, getting assists and sharing the ball better.
1: Goodman, where are you at with this team? Because I know you've had your ups and downs with them this season. Does today change yeah. your view long term of this group?
3: A little bit, a little bit. They needed momentum. They needed to win this game, right? I mean, to me, you needed a a a win to celebrate. Number one and a resume win this is a win against a ranked team you know they play Michigan next well Michigan we don't know if they're a tournament team or not right now they're 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 a fringe tournament team uh you just be two teams that you know yeah the, you're gonna feel good about getting in the win column but they're not wins that you can really look at and the ACC again it sounds a, a repeat of what we said last year that it stinks but it kind of stinks right now I mean you got Duke you got Virginia well you got Virginia. You got Duke, you got maybe Virginia Tech and Miami, and I don't know what else. The bottom absolutely sucks right now. So if you lose to any of those games, it's going to be looked at as a bad, bad loss. So you needed this one on a neutral court, again, to start to feel good about yourself, to get some momentum, to maybe show a little emotion. I think that's what you were getting at too, Tyler, is Mm -hmm. you want to see this group actually look like they give a shit. And I felt like they didn't give a shit a year ago, and we called them soft, and they were. Other than Mondo, they were soft last year for the first half of the year, for for a lot of it. They were getting blown out, right? This year, I didn't feel like they were as soft. I just felt like they were disinterested. And and that again, they felt like they could just show up and win these games. Yeah,
2: also, you know, Jeff, I think it has to do with mindset. Last year, it's a little different when you're chasing – you know, trying to get ranked and trying to get in a good position. Whereas where you come out the preseason, number one, teams are gunning for you. You're going to be the target for everybody. And, you know, I don't know if that had anything to do with it and knowing that teams are going to give you their best shot. But, you know, I think that had a little bit to do with it as well.
1: Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's move to uh, another Blue Blood matchup today, UCLA. And Kentucky, the Bruins come out on top 63 to 53, which begs the question at this point, does Kentucky have any quality wins? I mean, you look at it, it it doesn't really seem like they do. They're running out opportunities. I mean, they got Michigan and London, but Jeff, you just said, we have no idea how good of a win that is. What do you make of this Kentucky
3: team right now, Jeff? I'm disappointed. I'm really, really disappointed. Because when I look at this Kentucky team, I see all the pieces there. I see the big man, the dominant, hard playing. I mean, honestly, like, Tyler, he's similar to you in a lot of ways, Oscar. He just plays his balls off, right? He, he plays so goddamn hard. Uh, and you've got good pieces around him. you got shooters. The Reeves kid, he didn't make him today. But C.J. Frederick and Reeves, two of the better shooters. They've got older dudes. They've got some good freshmen. Case and Wallace is to me, one of the best overall freshmen in the country. Toppin's okay. What I've always questioned is, do they have enough shooting? Do they have enough spacing on their team? Because they want to play severe Wheeler. And if you play Wheeler with Shibway, with Toppin, and Reeves and Frederick aren't making shots, you don't have a lot of good spacing on the court right now. But I think they run jack shit offensively. I really do. I watch them. I can't believe how little they run. And to me, that's the biggest problem. I think they have the personnel to be able to 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 click offensively. I just don't think they run a damn thing.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I, you look at the shooting percentages from the game, Jeff, today, too. They shot 28% from the three-point line. They shot 38% from the foul line. Like it's, and they had 18 turnovers. Right, right. Like that's a recipe for disaster. Right. I want to credit UCLA because you go on the road, you beat Maryland and then you follow it up by beating Kentucky in Madison square garden, where it sounded like there was a bunch of UCLA fans in the building, but we all know how well BBN travels. And Trust we know me. There, there weren't any more. UCLA fans. I was in yeah. Vegas.
3: There were no UCLA. There were like 25 UCLA fans. In the entire building in Vegas, but you
4: can't win a game turning the ball over eighteen times and shooting twenty eight percent from the three point line and thirty eight percent from the foul line. Like, 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 think about that. Like, you, there, you have you have no shot. So, I, I just think offensively. They've got to develop some kind of identity. Are we going to space it out? Are we going to just go completely for round one? How are we going to get Sheway the ball inside? This is what we're going to run. We're going to run more pick and rolls. We're going to try to catch him on the roll, maybe get him some lobs on the backside, space it out that way. But it just seems like there's no identity on the offensive end of the floor for Kentucky right now, and you can't shoot those percentages and turn the ball over at that rate and have any chance to beat a quality opponent. No chance.
2: Yeah, and and I want to say I think UCLA is a really good team. You saw them last year. Yeah. Uh, we went, they went to the lead eight, and the year before they had the playing game and they made the final four. I think, uh, I think UCLA is a quality team. And even before the season, I thought UCLA might be a team that could, you know, be a final four contender. Uh, so I think this was going to be a tough game for Kentucky uh, prior, but I also think Kentucky has struggled a little bit. I mean, you saw Yale take them to the wire. Um, you know, a week or so ago. And I would ask the question is, is Oscar healthy, first of all? Uh, and, you know, it's a
3: great question. That's a great question because he missed the month leading up to the start of the season. He barely practices. He goes out in that that first game, Champions Classic, and he was really good. But it's like, did he come back too quickly?
2: Yeah. And, you know, that's, a, that's the other thing is like, you know, my senior year, I set out for a little bit with the shin injury. And, you know, the whole – when you're that big of an impact player, it could mess up the chemistry a little bit and the fluidity of the offense. And when I watched them, it kind of seemed like they were stagnant and looking for isos offensively. And it didn't seem like they were really pushing the ball or or uh, playing as a unit. But I do like uh, Toshibwe's game. I think he plays hard. He rebounds hard. And I think he's a competitor, but you know, I think it's gonna take uh you know some more practices with the team to really, you know, get Kentucky where they want to be. Uh, because I'm with you. I think they have athletes, I think they have players, and I think they should be much better than what they are right
1: now. So Jeff made the, the quick Shibwe psycho T comparison here. I can't believe we just skated by that by the rec for, for the record. Uh but if if we are gonna play that comp game, just to be clear advantage guard play goes to Tyler's teams, advantage wings, NBA guys shooting everywhere. Right. So a little bit of a different situation, but looking, looking at this game specifically, and I, I can't remember if it was Matt or Jeff who said this, but offensive problems for Kentucky, Antonio Reeves makes a three pointer cuts it to 54 to 51, three point game with six minutes and 15 seconds left in this game. They scored two points the rest of the game. And I still don't know how this team wants to score the basketball. Like, is it severe Wheeler's job to run the show? Are they just going to funnel it all through Oscar? Because I don't think he really is that type of go-to offensive guy in crunch time in a close game. I don't know who else it would be. You've got some spot shooters, but it's guys you got to draw stuff up for. So Matt, what would you do schematically with this team? Like in a tight game, where does the ball need to go for this team to be successful?
4: Well, and I would ask Tyler this, too. Like, in a close game, it's so hard to try to get the basketball to the post, right? You try to run an action, and everybody is keen in on Oscar and knowing, hey – We don't want the ball getting down to him in this type of situation in a one-on-one situation and allow him to go operate. So if I'm the opposing coach, we're taking that away. First of all, if it goes inside, we're going down, we're going to get him, we're getting the ball out of his hands and we're playing the percentages right now because they're shooting 28% from the three point line. So if he even kicks it out out of a double team, we'll play those percentages and get the rebound and come back down on offense. So, I again I I think they have to find a level of identity. Th- th- this is how we want to play, right? We're going to be a pick and roll team and we're going to try to get Oscar on rolls to the basket and after rolls maybe throwbacks on spread pick and roll situation, right? Like how many times do you see Kentucky run a spread pick and roll where they've got a fill behind guy where a guard's coming off a ball screen being set by Oscar? and they throw it now all of a sudden his man has to guard the pick and roll, and then he's trying to run back inside to play post-defense on Oscar. You don't see Kentucky do a lot of spread ball screens in that, in that situation, right? Now I can throw it back and I can dump it into Oscar, and his man has already had to try to guard the pick and roll and sprint back and play post-defense, so – I just think they have to find an identity. This is how we want to play. This is what we're going to do. We're going to run these three or four things. We're going to have a package where we can try to get him post-ups in these types of situations, but we're going to get Wheeler coming off pick and rolls and Reeves filling behind because those are our three best offensive players. And then it's, hey, are we going to do something different on defense? Do we press more because we have length? We have athletes. Can we get into some passing lanes and try to create some turnovers to get ourselves out on the break? I think that's another thing they've got to try to figure out going into league play. But, you know, if you look at the SEC, obviously Tennessee's terrific. Auburn's been a little bit up and down. Alabama had a great weekend last weekend. No, they didn't play great today and dropped one today, but Kentucky can still find themselves up towards the upper echelon of the league. Because I I think talent wise, like Jeff was saying, they're better than a lot of teams in that league. They just have to figure out, Hey, this is what we're going to run on offense. We're going to take advantage of these three
3: guys. Okay, we've got. Hey, Matt. Matt. Yeah. When Tyler played at Carolina, I mean, I'm not comparing. I'm not saying Severe Wheeler is as good as Ty Lawson. Obviously, he's not. But, but what I am saying is Ty Lawson was kind of a non-shooter at the college Mm -hmm. level to some degree. But what Mm -hmm. did he do? He used his speed to get so many easy baskets for himself, for you, Tyler, for everybody else. And that's something that you don't see Kentucky do. They don't get that. And Wheeler is—he's fast as shit, Matt. Like, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you find a way to get him downhill? And he can't get downhill in the half court. But they got to get more in transition.
4: They have to get more transition. That's my point too. And I think RC has said this mm-hmm. before too. Where's the spacing? Where's the floor spacing on offense? There's, there's just—it seems like the lane is so clogged. Yeah. In order for him to get downhill and get in the lane and create for his teammates. And it's whether it's Oscar, you know, coming out of, off the baseline, it's just, it just doesn't seem any floor spacing out. That's my point in terms of, Hey, let's do some four route. Let's have Oscar set spread, pick and rolls and space it out. Now Wheeler can come off and try to create. For I'd bring his teammates. Wheeler That's off just- the
3: bench. I would bring Wheeler off the bench and start Wallace with, with, with more shooting. I would, I just, I think as a non-shooter these days, it's really hard if you have three guys that can't space the floor, Wheeler, Shibway, and Toppin, all three it's hard of them. It's hard to score points. Yeah, score like points. you just can't, it's you can't hard win to these score days points. that way.
2: Yeah, and it's I think if you, you add that shooter, I think it opens up things for uh, Oscar down low as well. And the, the other thing you talked about spacing and you, you brought up, Ty, we had this old school play uh, where we used to put the big man – you know, Carolina traditionally, the one big man in inbounds the ball, and then you have another big man. We put him right at the half-court line just to set a ball screen, and then Ty could go either way, and it was a downhill climb, and I could not only imagine what the person guarding Ty felt like, but, I mean, layups after layups, and I've never seen somebody dominate a game with their speed uh, at the college level. Uh, like Ty did and I think that has a lot to do with the spacing and being able to clear out the lane and you're right Jeff you know you add that shooter I think it's going to open up more uh, opportunities for Tashibe to be able to duck in I actually compared him to uh, kind of like a Zach Randolph without being left-handed because you know his body and the way he, his hands are around the rim he's able to get those quick rebounds and just go right back up and those duck ins are so important so I think that would be key for him
1: yeah, UCLA made it easy for us. I'll tell you guys this. We do uh, the team of the week, player of the week. UCLA is the team of the week. Spoiler alert. But they they did their job this week. The blowout against Maryland, 10-point win against Kentucky, done deal. Uh, I feel obligated to ask this just quickly before we move to the next game. Jeff, you and I were at the Champions Classic. I think half-jokingly talking about what if this season doesn't go well. Do we need a coaching change here? Well, Uh-oh, here we I I mean, listen, listen, let me let me throw one number at you since Calipari signed a lifetime contract, eight and 15 against ranked teams, zero NCAA tournament wins. Wow. There's some
3: boo birds. There's some boo birds out. Listen, I've said it. I get to pick wherever the hell I want to go for the NCAA tournament. I will be at Kentucky's first round game no matter where they are. I don't care if it was Alaska. I'm going to go because. How tight John Calipari is going to be for that game. You are never going to see a coach tighter than than him going into that game. Because again, two years ago was a disaster. Obviously, it was in the bubble. So, you know, it was a different deal uh, in the pandemic. Last year, they lose to St. Peters. This year, there's honestly, there's a lot of pressure on John Calipari. I don't know what the buyout is. You can give somebody a lifetime contract all you want. And McCall knows this. All that matters is the buyout and the buyout's is going to be crazy for Cal. It might be dollar for dollar. I have no idea, but that's all that matters. But ultimately the fans, if he loses in the first round, it went from there were probably, I would say 10, 10% of the fan base after last year wanted him gone after they lose to St. Peter's. It'll be more than that than half this year. If you can't get out of the first weekend,
4: you yeah. think it's all Jeff though, like based on, on getting out of the first, because like, Look at what he had. I mean, he won a national championship. Like, had he won two national championships, would you think Kentucky fans and you engage with them on Twitter a lot more than I do? And I know it it, it is a shark tank, right? It's a fishbowl, right? I mean, even going back to Tubby Smith, yeah, yeah. Like Tubby Smith won a national championship there, and they ran him out of town, right? It's it's. It's it's what it is. It's the expectation. It's 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 being a part of. It's why it's one of the best jobs and also one of the most challenging jobs in college basketball. So, I I just do you think that's what it is? He has to get out of the first round, or do you think he's got to go to another final four? Because you look at the run that he went to, and some of those teams weren't even predicted to go to the final four, like the team that we had in 2014, where we were the number. We beat them three times that year, and they ended up playing for the national championship. We got knocked out by UConn in the final four. And we, I mean, RC we're talking about this, like even that year, I think they finished, you know, we were 18 and zero in the sec. I think, I think they were 12 and six and it was like, Hey, you know, where are things at? And then he goes to back-to-back final four. So, you know,
3: I, I don't, I mean, I, I, what do, I do think you think? He's got to get through the first weekend to, to keep, honestly, like, To keep it to where like everybody is not saying in Lexington, we want him gone. I think if he loses in the first round, it's going to be like like 75% we want him gone. If he loses in the first weekend, it's going to be 50-50, we want him gone. If he gets past the first weekend, yeah, you'll still have some people if he loses in the Sweet Sixteen saying it's not enough, and, and that's Kentucky for you. But I think at that point, it's still not a complete catastrophe. You cannot lose in the first round or the first weekend this year.
2: I, I think it's the Final Four, and I'm actually in Kentucky right now, and I didn't realize how, you know, unrational some of these Kentucky fans are until I started <laughs> hanging out with them. And uh, there is no sense. They want to win at all costs. They don't care what, what it takes or who's doing it, they want to win. And uh, I, I think Cal C could get a little hot. If they have a first-round exit, I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think they've got to at least get to a four just to leave, you know, relieve some pressure.
1: Certainly there's no North Carolina fans out there like that, Tyler, right? Just just I, <laughs>
2: Not till I started getting on Twitter did I realize. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world, my friend. Welcome to our world. All right, we are uh, about halfway through the show here. Uh, this is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are presented by Bet Rivers. You can find us on the SiriusXM app. We've got a merch store fieldof68.shop. Promo code HOLIDAY, all caps, now through the end of the year. You can get 25% off. There's a bunch of good stuff there. Go check it out. Uh, Let's go to Gonzaga, Alabama, 10 point win for the Zags in a not so neutral site this afternoon. Brandon Miller was spectacular. Drew Timmy was spectacular. If you listen to the start of my show, I thought the Gonzaga guards were spectacular. This was one of the most entertaining games of the day, if not the most entertaining game of the day, depending on how you view the end game of North Carolina, Ohio State. Matt, let's go to you. Uh, any concerns from your end that Alabama lost this one? They've been so damn good lately. It's hard to really be concerned. But anything that was raised in this game that you didn't know beforehand? I just I hope like us on the field of 68 aren't jinxing these teams,
4: right? Because we 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 seem like we always have a team that comes on, they have a huge win like Alabama did last weekend. We praise them. We get Nate Oates on here. And then, you know, the next game, they end up drop. So I, I hope the field of 68, we're not jinxing these teams. But no, I, I don't. I, credit Gonzaga, right? I always mispronounce Gonzaga. And, and the fans get so mad at me on the field of 68. They get so mad. So I don't want to not say the name. But think about the schedule that they've played up to this point in time, right? So credit Mark Few and his team. Michigan State, Texas, Kentucky. Purdue, Xavier, Washington, Alabama. Okay? So they have played a much more challenging schedule up to this point than 98% of the country, if not 99% of the country, maybe 100% of the country. So they're battle-tested. And they've been in these games, and they've been in these challenging games. And when these games come down to the wire, whatever, on the road, neutral site – I know we we were talking about it before on the air. Was this a neutral site game? It was in Birmingham. I got to think that I don't know how many fans (laughs) traveled from Spokane down to Birmingham. I'd say they may have a little bit, but I'd say the Crimson Tide had a lot more fans, especially since they're not in the uh, college football playoff, right? It's more Now we've shifted completely to basketball there in Birmingham. But um, I'm, I'm not concerned about Alabama. Listen, they had 21 turnovers in the game. That's 21 missed shot opportunities and they lose by 10. That's the difference in the game. Drew Timmy was absolutely outstanding, but and Brandon Miller, but him and himself, as good as he was on offense and all the points and all the baskets he scored, he had six turnovers in himself. He had six out of the 21 turnovers that the team had. So had they done a better job taking care of the basketball, the game could have been different, but... I think defensively for them, you can't give up that amount of points and expect to win and turn the basketball over. But listen, we know what they can do. We, we saw them last weekend on the road against Houston. Uh, obviously, Houston bounced back this weekend as well. So I don't think there's a big cause for concern. I got I think they got to do a much better job taking care of the basketball, and you can't give up that many points in a quote-unquote neutral site game and expect to win.
1: Tyler, watching this game play out honestly sort of brought me back to uh, not just you. Like every couple of years, there's a guy who you're like, how is this dude still in college? And very rarely it's the guy who is also the national player of the year candidate. Right. Like you apply there. Luca Garza a couple of years ago applied there to me. This was just like, oh, yeah, Gonzaga has Drew Timmy game like we've kind of rolled our eyes over the last few weeks at, oh this Gonzaga team has problems well they still have drew Timmy and he sort of just reminded the world of that did you see that today
2: I think drew Timmy is one of obviously one of the best players in college basketball right now and actually before the season I thought he'd be the national player of the year before uh, Zach Eddie from Purdue started playing like a madman. Uh, but, gotta you got
3: to get Tyler to pronounce it right. It's Edie. Just Zach, Edie, all right. <laughs> I'm a big Tyler, fan. Tyler, you said you are talking about Twitter.
4: They're going to come after you now. We're going to help come you. After you. you, did, you did, yeah, you're not helping yourself there. You're going to make sure What's you is, pronounce do you it, correctly? It? Is it Edie? Edie. Edie.
2: Edie? All right. yep. I'm a big fan of Edie, and uh, big reasons because I like big man. I like to see, you know, people go to work in the post. But he, he is my favorite player to watch. But Drew Timmy is probably my second favorite. And I will tell you, Alabama is really good defensively and interiorly because when I watched them play against uh, Carolina, they have a lot of bigs and a lot of of athletes. So it's not easy to do the work that he did today against them. But to me, I think this was a huge win for Gonzaga just because uh, I feel like they needed another player to really step up and help relieve some pressure for Timmy. And uh, I think the freshman, Watson, definitely did that. But you know, Gonzaga, they might end the season with – their strength of schedule might be weaker than all these teams. And the reason I say that is because they've got to book these or schedule these tough games before their conference, you know, starts because, you know, they, they probably won't have a top 50 player or top 50 team in that conference. And uh, that's always been a knock for me. And I've always kind of disrespected Gonzaga because of the conference they play in. So I respect them coming out and trying to get some of these tough games. And uh, I think, it, you know, I think they need to win games like this because they're not going to get these quality wins in their conference play. It's, it's a wonderful. different
3: Gonzaga program than when you played, too. They're they're, they're more consistent now. They do schedule um, this this is the the most difficult non-conference schedule that Mark Few and Gonzaga have ever played. And they always play a tough one because he knows he knows mm-hmm. that the WCC isn't loaded. Uh, and this year it's probably weaker than, than I don't want to say ever, but BYU is not great. St. Mary's is always going to be good, but they're not great. So I think they challenge themselves. And as Greg said to start the show, those guards are the biggest question. We know what we're going to get out of Drew Timmy every night. If his guards don't help him, he's screwed because,
0: you know, especially,
3: listen, the fact that he did it against a long and athletic, super athletic front line of Alabama is really impressive because that's when you want, you, you always worry. And I worried about it with you a little bit, Tyler. I think you're a little bit taller than than Drew Timmy is, but, but you worry about that because you weren't blessed athletically like some of these dudes. Mm-hmm. So how hard is it? sometimes to go up against some of these front lines that Drew Timmy is seeing today with these athletic dudes that are that are long as hell and, and can jump.
2: Yeah, when I see his game, the way he gets positioned in the post and his jump hooks are unbelievable. And I kind of had this, the ability to make a jump hook with contact, I think that's one thing that Drew Timmy has uh, gotten down, like his pound, pound, and then just turn around, jump hook. Uh, game is unbelievable and he has a lot of spins too he's a big spin guy in the post which I'm a big fan of because he can misdirection people you know like he just rip right to his right and then spin to his left pump fake go back to the right Uh, he has a lot of that in his game and you know that's skill and also that's being intelligent uh, being an intelligent basketball player using pump fakes and and position to score which uh, you know just goes to you know, maybe because of his experience seems like he's been starting ever since he's a freshman. Uh, you know, he, he's he got that to his game and I love to watch it. And it's it's uh, old school basketball. I love.
1: All right, let's uh, let's move to a couple speed round games here because we got about 20 minutes left in the show and we still have a bunch to get to here. Houston, Virginia, the Cougars, massive road victory for them. Uh, they've been I don't want to say struggling, but Honestly, the word kind of applies. That offense has been stuck in the mud for the better part of the last two weeks, made some shots today, uh, but honestly got this win doing things that this Houston program has done, battling on the offensive rebounds, very aggressive, winning defensively. I mean, they imposed their will in this game. How surprised were you that Houston
3: was able to go in to Virginia and get this win, Jeff? Not really. When when you knew Reese Beekman wasn't going to be healthy and maybe was going to play with a hamstring injury, he's their most important player. He's maybe he might be the best defensive player in the perimeter defender in the country. Um, and they're just they're good, Virginia. I saw them twice in Vegas and and uh, they beat Baylor in Illinois, and they're a good team, but Houston's upside's higher, and Houston was coming out that loss at home to Alabama, so they were ready to go. They needed this one a little more than Virginia did, and, and Sasser had been hurt lately, uh, didn't play with the, the goggles or the glasses uh, today. I thought he was a little bit better, but, you know, Jerris Walker, man, he was mm. awesome today, mm. awesome. Like, I remember seeing him at an AU event a year and a half or a year and change ago, and I was like, yeah, he's good, but, like, I didn't love him, you know, but but it's hard to evaluate, obviously, in, in AU. Uh, he's just gotten better and better in his skill level. Like, that's the one thing. He could score in a, in a bunch of different ways at his size. It was probably 6'9", 250. He could stand out there and shoot the three. He could post up. He could put in the floor some at his size and still get by dudes and finish through contact. And the most impressive thing today for me on him was his ability to pass the ball because I did not know he could do that. And he Four made assists,
4: couple- one turnover.
3: He was awesome. And, like, yeah. really, really, like, Passes that were just easy baskets for for his teammates. They didn't have to work for him. They were just easy. So I I love this Houston team because they're a team, and they know their roles for the most part. And if they're healthy, I still think Houston is as good as any team in the country. Matt, Virginia,
1: national title contender this season, yes or no?
3: Oof.
4: I mean, after watching them today, especially on their home floor, I, I don't know if they're a national title contender, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the matchups, right? Um, Who do they see in the first weekend? Can they get to the second weekend? No question about it. But, uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to the matchups. But again, I I agree with Jeff. How about the balance for Houston? All five starters and double figures. And you're talking about Jairus Walker, a freshman who's being thrusted into a role as a starter on, quote unquote, the number one team in the country. They dropped last week to Alabama. But Just what a performance that he put on today, and he's just growing up, right? He's growing up. And this team, you know, they were the number one team in the country. They dropped it last weekend. But you're talking about guys that are coming off injuries, and then all of a sudden you've got a freshman now who is playing in a a huge role on one of the best teams in the country it's going to take him some time and to see what he did out there today i we know they're going to defend they're one of the best defenses in the country i thought that's what alabama did a great job of last weekend was really trying to get that defense loose breaking them down throughout the course of the game and then they respond so we knew they were going to defend at a high level but the balance that they had on the offensive end of the floor today to me was the most impressive thing 17 assists only 8 turnovers in the game and you know led by the freshman who just continues to grow up you know as he gets more reps.
1: Yeah. All right, let's go to uh maybe the most non-competitive game of the great games today. Kansas runs away from Indiana uh at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Not the most surprising result at least from my perspective. Indiana I mean, we've seen this from Indiana before in the last four seasons. I understand this team is supposed to be different. Jalen hood Huchifino was back today. I don't know that after seeing what we saw today, we can call it different anymore. Uh, I I mean, Jeff, I feel like we got to throw it to you here. You've had a lot of ups and downs with Indiana this season.
3: I mean, should we be surprised that this was not a competitive game? Listen, I I was supposed to be there today. I was going to fly in uh, Thursday and pick up my daughter in Bloomington. And then we're going to drive all the way to Lawrence. She's a freshman at Indiana, Tyler. And uh, I didn't feel great. Uh, I've been coughing for, you know, two weeks. So, I was like, I don't want to be that asshole on the flight that's coughing the whole time. <laughs> like, you know, I just didn't want to be that and guy. Everyone we all know that guy, flight, right? We all know him.
4: On that flight, appreciate right. you. I was everyone. not going to be that That Everyone asshole.
3: appreciates you. Everybody does. Um, so... You know, we're, we're, we're excited. My my daughter comes running up. It's noon today. She's all excited. She's like, get down here. Why aren't you down here? Watch a game with me. So we're watching the game. And the game's over. Again, just like Arizona. They dug themselves such a deep hole. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't dig out of it. And certainly, you're not digging out of it at, at five-gallon. I mean, you might be able to do in Vegas against Arizona and come close. You're never going to deal dig out of it against, first of all, Bill Self. Uh, but I know we want to talk Indiana first, then we'll go to Kansas. You know, this Indiana team was kind of anointed as the Big Ten favorites. And I I don't want to say I did it too, because I picked Iowa to win the Big Ten at the end. Uh, I don't love that one either. But I I guess Indiana barely got into the tournament last year. Remember, they had to beat Michigan and Illinois in the Big Ten tournament just to get in the first four. Then they, they win... Uh, and they get crushed against St. Mary's in the actual NCAA tournament. I don't call the first four the tournament. It, it, to me, that's like preliminary rounds or whatever. Um, so they get drilled by Randy Bennett. And we all annoyed him because they're bringing everything back. And they add Jalen Huchofino and uh, Malik Renu, who who are both really talented players. But neither one can shoot the ball from the perimeter. So they still don't have big-time shooters. And Xavier Johnson, while he got hurt today has really proven it for like 10 games that he's a high, high high-level point guard last year, for the last like third of the year. So there is still a ton of questions to be answered for this Indiana team beyond the fact that, to me, they're a top 25-ish team. That's what they are. That's what they are right now.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Ish, Yeah, Tyler, I don't know how much you saw this game, but um, I mean, I again, from my perspective, this is sort of who Indiana has been. We had Geo Baker on here, I think about a week ago, saying, look, no one in the Big Ten is scared of these guys. And I got a stat for you. Trace Jackson Davis in his career at Indiana, 5-25 and against Ken Palm top 100 teams on the road. Wow. I mean, that's a tough stat to come back from. Uh, but again, this is also Kansas at home. Like you would have liked to see this be a little more competitive, but we can't be, we can't really blame them for losing this game. Right.
2: Well, I will say this. They were up against it before they walked into, uh, Lawrence. I think Kansas is the hottest team in the country right now, the way they're playing. And I think Grady Dick might be the, Him and the Miller kid from Alabama are probably the two best freshmen playing right now. And I think the way he's playing and the way Kansas is running and sharing the ball, I mean, they're the hottest team. And I had Kansas winning this one big, especially after I watched them destroy Mizzou uh, in Columbia last week, which was just an absolute ass-kicking. And uh, Kansas is really good. And I think Bill Self's doing a great job, too. Their team is clicking. And – you know, Jeff, I saw you tweet it. I think they're a contender. And, you know, I think there's a real possibility uh they could go back to back and probably be the first team I think since Florida did it. And uh yeah, they're they're playing well right now.
4: Yeah, Tyler, that was that was the back to back team that we thought as Gator fans on the staff that you were gonna be a part of as well. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that in there when when you decided to go to Carolina. Now you you got your national championship as well, and oh, okay, you you got yours. But you know the back-to-back. I'm I'm not rooting against Kansas as a former employee and alum at the University of Florida. Uh, I'm not rooting but against them, but, but you are. My Norm Roberts is my guy. I love Norm. I'm always rooting for Norm.
3: Um, you just want no, to I, win another one. That's all. I, yeah, yeah. Just,
4: yeah, you you want to hold on to that piece That's, of history a little bit. Um, But, like, think about this. Kansas has one loss. Their one loss is to Tennessee, and that was a third game in three days on their MTE.
3: Yep.
4: Right? If they didn't lose – like, like playing three games in three days, that that is a challenging deal. Um, And that's their only loss. So, if if they hadn't lost that game, you're probably sitting here and they're the number one team in the country. I I think that this just is a credit to Bill Self – And uh, I've talked on this before about how I think Matt Painter is arguably the best coach in the country. But you put Bill Self's resume up against any coach out there and the the number of championships he's won, uh, the number of wins he has. And even this year, he doesn't have that, you know, back to the basket (laughs) prototypical frontcourt player that they can throw the ball in and let the guy go operate. They don't have it. And he's adjusted in how they play. They play. With greater pace, they space it out, they shoot more threes, and that's what coaching is. And that's why he's one of the best in the country. I you know, I think it's hard. I I think when you look at all the teams that we've watched up to this point in the season, I don't know if there's a clear cut, hey, this team is gonna win a national championship or this team is definitely gonna be in Houston at the final four. I think there's a lot of teams that you could put that category in, and I think Kansas is one of them. And you know, had they not lost that game on the third game in three days, they're the number one team in the country. And and maybe they are when the new polls come out.
1: The guy that made them go tonight to me, Dewan Harris, 10 assists in this game. Jeff got to talk to him after this game. Let's run that interview.
3: How surprised were you with how dominant this win was and how much you guys were able to really dominate in the paint?
1: Uh
5: really uh we had all week to uh to prepare for this game. So our, our whole prepare prepare preparation uh preparation, whatever preparation. was for preparation. uh yeah, yeah was yeah. for uh Trace Jackson. So that's all we was worried about. I mean they have other great players on AT too, but our main focus was him. So and then really uh really uh this whole week we was just on defense. That was our whole that was our main focus, just defense. So and you know, coach. You know, coach. Coach is
3: big on that, so we just had to get that done first. Yeah, I mean, if I told you again, to me, it was offense and and front line. Those were the all biggest right, questions for you guys coming into the to the year. Who's yelling? You said what? Well, sorry. <laughs> you said what? Well, sorry, yeah. coaches. I couldn't even hear you. Who? Bill's yelling in the background. Oh, uh, That
5: was Coach KT. You know, he has. Oh, right, right.
3: Um, I was saying the biggest question marks were offense. And and big man frontline, you know, who was gonna, gonna emerge. KJ has done it, but it's almost been like a combination this year so far. And to me, what you've been able to do with those lob threats is really taking advantage of teams. How much of a of a difference is that from you, even from when you had McCormick last year?
5: Oh, well, I feel like our bigs this year, well, they, they're more athletic than Dave was last year. So sure. they what coach tells them every day is set screen, block shots, and rebound and catch lobs. And that's how they're going to get in the game. And I feel like we did a, did a great job with that today. And He was ready when we needed him. So, because he had a big task today with Trace Jackson. So, I feel like he did a really good job. And then, really, they, when I came out ball screens, they was like the biggest sagging off. So, the only thing I had to do was make a, a, a throw a lob or shoot my floater. So, that's, a, that's what I was reading the whole time.
3: Last question. How much you guys talk about defending, winning back to back national titles this year? Oh, uh, that's
5: every day. Really? Coach that's all coaches worry about defense. You know, defense we can defense start first and then that leads yeah. to the offense. So if we
3: keep no, I meant my... I meant hey Wani, I meant winning back to backs. I meant defending oh. your national title, not oh, defense. That, oh yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's a must, you know, because we Kansas, everybody wants to beat us, and you know, we want to go back to back. And I feel like we have the team to go back to bang. We just got to keep trusting each other. Me and Jay Will, Kev, got to keep leading the younger guys. So I feel like we just got to keep trusting in coach and coach got to keep trusting in us.
3: And we just got to keep working every day. Well, listen, uh, congrats. As I said today, you've turned into one of the best all-around point guards in the country. You really have. And um, adding that offensive element to your game, obviously we know you can defend. We know you can distribute, get your guys the ball. But when you can be a threat offensively, There aren't many better. And and the way you've done it, the progress you've made steady every year, really impressive, Dewan. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Congrats. We'll see you soon. That was
1: the Field of 68's own Jeff Goodman with Kansas point guard Dewan Harris. And uh, sorry, Jayhawks fans, for what I'm about to say. But while many of you may have watched that relatively boring game today, Many people also watched one of the most exciting games I've ever seen. That was Furman against Stephen F. Austin. The first college basketball game ever aired exclusively on the Field of 68 Network. And boy, was it a good one. We had John Fanta, Terrence Oglesby, and Rob Doster on the call. Essentially get a buzzer beater. It wasn't actually a buzzer beater. It was a game winner with mere point half a second on the clock. Uh, Incredible back and forth game. We had a 20-point comeback. We had lead changes in the final minute. It was just as thrilling as you could get for the first game broadcast on this network. Jeff, obviously, this is a big moment for the field of 68. What does this mean to you to have this happen today?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, to get a game like this with two of the best mid-majors in the country, uh, Furman and Stephen F. Austin down there, and you know, have a, a really good crew, uh, John Fanna, Terrence Oglesby, and even Rob Doster, Um, was really, really impressive. And for it to be the type of game it was, I mean, I'm watching and I'm like, you know, halftime, I'm like, this thing could be really ugly. And I talked to Kyle Keller, Stephen F. Austin head coach, and he was telling me how banged up they were and, you know, just hoping to be in the game. And I'm thinking, man, they they might get run here by 40. And uh, they start climbing back in this thing and it ends up being probably the best ending of the day of any game. But, you know, what it means is, we were able to do it at Field of sixty eight, do it well, so that honestly, there'll be more of these. There'll be more of the game. So anybody watching, uh, listening, uh, if you want to put your game on Field of sixty eight, um, whether it's a, a really good college game, whether it's an elite level AAU game, like whatever, we're going to do this, and, and we're going to do it really well, and we're going to be able to promote it better than you know if Stephen F. Austin Firmer were one of a 1,000, well, it won't be a 1,000 games, but it'd be a 100 games on ESPN Plus today, and it just gets buried. Uh, Field of 68 was able to promote the hell out of it going in.
1: Herman's Mike Bothwell hit the big shot, 36 points, 12 for 14 from the floor. He's a name the country needs to know. Matt, what do you like about Bothwell's game from what you've seen?
4: Well, first of all, I, I want to talk about how well that Rob and Fanta and T.O., they were eating the entire broadcast they just sure. kept bringing them food, food. and it just yeah. looked like even like leading up to the first of all it didn't look like rob paid for anything the entire weekend um so credit him for being on scholarship all weekend but um it was just a it, it was a high level game to see Stephen f austin you know they scored 22 points in the first half they score 48 in the second half to climb all the way back and have an opportunity to win but you got to think about this Furman team and they've been through some adversity and to keep the core together after just a miraculous shot by David Jean Baptiste last year in the, in the SOCON tournament for Chattanooga. I mean, the game was over. Furman was going to the NCAA tournament and just a miraculous shot to see how Furman has responded and to be on this platform and and to play that the way they did today and, you know, the, the, their guys even talked about it going into the game. They, they mentioned, you know, the Chattanooga game and to see Bothwell and, you know, how he feels and to see him come back and respond. And after going through something like that and missing out on the tournament last year, they're hungry. And I, I think they're the clear cut favorite in the Southern Conference. But it was it was a great day. It was fun to follow. It was, it was great to see. Uh, you know, Fanta and Rob and T.O. and the job that they did on the broadcast. And again, man, I, it looked like Rob was on scholarship all weekend. So um, it's you like know, Christmas but he, for Fanta. I mean, yeah, it unbelievable. Bed. And the food was just coming around left
1: and right. I was like, man, I, I need to get there and get some of that. Yeah. If you didn't catch the game today, first of all, what are you doing? But second of all, you're in luck. Our lovely production team has the highlights, which we're going to show you right now. Our network brings you a live game broadcast as the Furman Paladins meet the Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks. Kajust, off to Jostle! He hit it from Texas! (laughs) Kajust feeds it off, Hawkins to beat the buzzer!
3: Whoa! The bank is open on a Saturday night! (laughs) One, I don't know if it's going to count or not. Does he get it off? Yes. Oh, wow. I don't know. I thought
4: it was still in his hands. He's been the star. Bothwell fades. Mike he does it. Kaju striving,
5: faking, battle for the ball. hermit
6: has got it. They call timeout, John. They call timeout. Neither team
1: has any timeouts. It's a Class B technical foul. Jostles going to go in the line. The Furman Paladins lost the SoCon final last year on a buzzer beater. They believe they're better for it. Bothwell has a career-high
0: 34. Mike Bothwell. Mike Bothwell for the win.
6: Career high 36 points. What did you get going tonight against this team? I
4: just, I just tried to will, will us, will us, through. You know, we were having a lot of things go wrong for us in that second half. I just tried to will us through. You know, we had to make plays. There were pressuring us. I just had to be the player that I am and, and be the leader that I am. And tonight, that meant score. Other nights, it's gonna and get assists, get make, make plays for others. But I just had to be the player for my team.
6: The field of 68 after dark. Furman's head coach Bob Ritchie. Bob gave us a little bit of excitement there, huh? well we knew just like we talked about a halftime i mean that's a that's a team it's ncaa tournament all kind of tradition and expect to win and um, i didn't know it was going to happen quite that fast but they got hot from the outside and you know i thought it, i thought it really put us on our heels offensively i thought we let them making some shots and some plays get us less aggressive than we were in the first half i thought in the first half we drove with a lot of force and we made two foot plays and we cut we had the ball was popping they start scoring and we get we get a little bit less aggressive and it almost compounded and uh, but you know what That's what's going to happen. We've been on the other side of that. You know, Penn State, we're down 20, make a run, cut it to one. And, um, you know, and and they made a few big plays. And so it's the game right now with the transition and the threes. And fortunately, we did enough to endure it. All right. So this game was on the field of 68, and you are now officially – undefeated in games that are played on the field of 68 Media Network. When are we coming back? When are we getting that invite? Sounds like we need to do a SOCON contract, you know? <laughs> I mean, we need, we need to get you guys to all home games. Uh, really do appreciate you guys doing this. And um, I will say this, our players felt the exposure and in, in the discussion and just just the, the energy behind the game and um, the job you do and Jeff and everybody, right, from John and Terrence. I mean, it, it, was, it was neat to have you guys here for the game and hopefully we can continue to be a part of something like this.
1: Again, those were highlights from Furman versus Stephen F. Austin. The game of the day, if you ask anyone involved with the Field of 68 Network and stay tuned. Uh, We hope to broadcast plenty more games just like that one in the future. Uh, We're going to wait out the end of this Arizona-Tennessee game. If you've been watching it at all, hell of a game back and forth. Tennessee had a lead early, tied at the half. Arizona took control, 10-point lead midway through the second half. We've still got a two-possession game with just under two minutes left. We will see what happens, and we'll break it down quickly if we can. While we wait for that, though, we're going to go to story time here. Some exclusives. We've got Tyler Hansbro on the field of 68 after dark. We've got a coach in Matt McCall who once recruited and hosted Tyler Hansbro trying to get him to Florida to be part of a dynasty at Florida, so Matt, I'm well, just going to Greg, I was,
4: you. yeah, I was a student manager, so I must have he, not. Done he was not recruiting to... him he, he Yeah, I wasn't been... recruiting. I mean, I was, you know, I was the guy in the visit that was trying to line everything up. And this was you were partaking, you could, like, right? You, you could partaking. hang the jersey in the locker that had the name on the back. That that was legal back. Hey, McCall was trying the... to
3: set him up with a, with a girl when he got there. That McCall <laughs> was in
4: charge. Of. That's, that's that was recruiting David, to me, Matt. That was David Lee's job. That was
3: David Lee.
2: That would have been a tough task uh, back in high school. I was about as quiet as you could you could be. Uh, I will say, uh, David Lee was my host when I went to Florida, and I've I mean, David Lee is a you know watching him in high school. That was he's one of the best high school basketball players I've ever watched, and so being from Missouri, you know, I kind of I he was kind of like a role model. And so having him host me was really cool and, uh, you know, playing on the same AAU team. But I will say Florida for the visit was the best visit of any school. It wasn't even close. I mean, David, David had it set up where we were going out. I mean, he had probably I – I can't imagine how many girls he tried to, like, just throw at me at the club or whatever. And, uh, it, I mean, I had a great time. It was also my first visit. And uh, in my mind, I was like, man, I got to take more of these. And <laughs> and so, uh, you know, after going out and hanging out with the guys, man, it was a great team. And I wanted to go to Florida. I was like, man, I'm not going on another visit. I love Florida. <laughs> and uh, I even think I told uh, Coach Donovan, I was like, man, I'm coming here. and Or something like that that in the car the
4: the old soft commitment the old old, wake up on sunday there was no tweet tweet back then but the old soft commitment
2: (laughs) yeah this is a shoe in and uh (laughs) yeah after talking it over with my family it was i mean it was hands down the best visit and i went actually my visit to carolina didn't go that well and Carolina was actually kind of off the table. And then, uh, Wes Miller is one of my best friends. Now I took a second visit to Carolina we had a great time. Uh, but that's the real reason I, I, I didn't go to Florida is because my family actually pretty much talked me out of it. And my second visit <laughs> to Carolina ended up going pretty well. Uh, Wes took me out. We had a great time. I will admit not as good as a, of the time I had in Florida for sure. <laughs> uh that's how it happened Tyler. let me ask you this
4: when when we went back to back and you're at carolina were you at all at that point in time after now you 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 got your championship but w- when we had gone back to back were you at all like man i wish i was there it just was it just more motivation to win one for carolina
2: you know it was a big debate in my family if you know florida you think football school and uh you know there was a debate whether they could win a whether they could win a national championship, and you guys ended up winning back-to-back national championships, so yeah, it was a little tough, but uh, you know, it, it was motivation for sure. But I was also, I, I was really happy for for the program because I remember Anthony Grant, Grant recruited me, and I thought he was a really good dude, and was, I really liked yeah. Coach Donovan, so I was happy for the the program for sure. Did it rain
3: right. or something? Your whole first visit at Carolina was there something where like rain the whole time or something like that or it not? was a
2: it was a snowstorm and uh <laughs> the whole airport had shut down i mean i don't think they've had a snow like that since and yeah i was stuck there and it was not looking good uh but <laughs> you were trying to you were trying to escape the snow that's what you're trying to you're trying
4: to get
3: yeah. out of
1: the snow <laughs> poplar glove that's right I I swear Goodman's writing the cue cards that Tyler's reading from here, just making up, making up details. Hey,
3: I covered Tyler's recruitment. He didn't say a whole hell of a lot back then, but, but I knew enough people who knew I knew, I knew Eric Long from the St. Louis. He gave me kind of the the scoop of of what was really going on behind the scenes a little bit there. So did you know
1: Florida was out before Matt knew Florida was out?
3: (laughs) I did not No, that I did not. (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. I never underestimate you, Goodman. Never We did.
4: talked about this before, too. We were two for four on the St. Louis Eagles, right? David Lee and Bradley Bill. We got two good ones there for the Gators, and then we missed on Jason Tatum and Tyler Hansborough. Oof.
1: Wow. Uh, there's a lot of Tar Heel fans out there who are very thankful that you missed out on Mr. Hands, bro. Uh, All right, as we speak, barring an absolute miracle, Arizona is about to clinch a victory, and there it is. It is final, a 75-70 to victory over Tennessee. A very entertaining game, as I said, back-and-forth affair. This was the number one offense against the number one defense in the country. Tommy Lloyd stays undefeated at home, As the head coach of this Arizona program, Uh, we were talking off air when the interview was running. Tyler, you played at Arizona uh, back in your time at North Carolina. How difficult of a place is that to play?
2: Yeah, I I grew up watching Arizona. I mean, they've had some some great teams. And so, I mean, it always looks like a crazy atmosphere. I mean, yeah, it's got a lot of uh, tradition to it. And so it's not an easy place to play. And. Uh, especially with this team, I would consider this team a contender for sure. I really like their bigs inside as well. And uh, they're extremely athletic. And I think uh, Lloyd's really got this program headed in the right direction. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's exciting for Arizona.
4: Yeah. To see, I mean, you think about his record. You know, it's his second year as a head coach and I, I don't care, you know, how long you've been an assistant coach. When you move over that seat, it's a completely different deal. And he is 43 and five now. As a head coach. And he took over a historic program like Arizona with all the expectations and even everything that was going on in the program when he got there to see what he's done. He's undefeated at home and his records 43 and five. What a tremendous job Lloyd's doing with this group. He he revamped their recruiting in terms of taking some overseas guys and to have them playing at this level. Man, I agree with Tyler. It, It is extremely impressive.
1: Jeff, does it feel like not enough people are talking about that? Like, how come we haven't been throwing the name Tommy Lloyd out into best coach in the
3: country conversations? Well, I think, again, I think part of it is last year he he inherits a bunch of really good dudes from Sean Miller. So, you know, it's who are you giving the credit to? You're going to give part to to Tommy Lloyd. He did a hell of a job and changed the system completely, moving the ball. They're scoring. Sean had already kind of instilled a defensive mentality and toughness into those kids, but he inherited Ben Matherin, a lottery pick, uh, Coloco, re- maybe the best defender in the country last year, and Daylon Terry, who ends up going in the in the first round. So all those guys leave, and we figure there's going to be a drop-off, right? There's got to be this year, and, and there really hasn't been a huge drop-off. Uh, they've been terrific because, again, you add a Courtney Ramey, who's been solid, but Umar Balo has been the difference maker in a way because again, like Kirk Risa has too. He's been really good, but Balo and Tabellis are as good a one-two punch up front as anybody in the country. And Balo is a kid that I remember having conversations with Tommy Lloyd, and it was like, man, I feel like I got to bring him to to Arizona. I can't leave him behind. It I recruited him, and you know, I don't know if he's going to really help us or he's even going to last in Tucson. But I, I, I just feel I brought him here from overseas. I got to take care of the kid as a kid and give him every opportunity. And now Umar Umar Ballo, uh, he goes today for for eighteen and eight. By the way, zero bench points from Arizona today, zero, and they still end up beating a Tennessee team and scoring seventy five on one of the best defensive teams in the country. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, one, if we're talking
1: bench, I do want to flip to the Tennessee side of this. Zakai Ziegler, 21 points off the bench today, 8 for 11 from the floor. Uh, a guy who has been publicly criticized by his own coach, Rick Barnes, since the beginning of the season. Um, it, it is weird,
3: right, Jeff? Like, what, what do we he make of that? Him. Rick Barnes couldn't stop gushing about him all last year. He was the backup um, uh, to, uh, man, what's his name escaping me? Who's was the little guard? Kennedy Chandler. Yeah, Kennedy Chandler. He was a backup. Nobody knew who Zakai Ziegler was. Comes in from New York, undersized, just like Kennedy Chandler, but like brought the toughness that Kennedy Chandler didn't. Just wasn't as talented. Rick Barnes loves him. And then this year, he kind of killed him earlier. I I think it was probably done to wake up Zakai Ziegler a little bit. Maybe he didn't have that same chip in his shoulder earlier this year, and he wanted to make a point with him. But, you know, listen, it's tough to win in Tucson. I I went to school Mm. there. It's a tough. Uh, they won 71 straight games at home uh, when I was there. Not not through the whole time I was there, but when I got there, uh, that streak was snapped. Don McLean from um, from UCLA had I think it was 38, and Gonzaga is going to beat that streak. The next home game for Gonzaga will be its 72nd straight win at the McCarthy Athletic Center, uh, snapping that streak, which is the, the longest in the modern. Uh, era, but that's how tough it is to win in Tucson. And Tennessee's good. I, again, they're good. I, I don't have the same confidence in Tennessee that I think a lot of people do. I think they're good. I think they're a top 20 ish team at the end of the day, but that win against Kansas goes a long way.
1: Yeah, certainly carrying some weight right now. All right. We appreciate everybody who has stayed this long for our matinee tonight on the field of 68 After Dark. We did. We started the show with toasts. And since this has been such a special edition, a great slate, such a special guest with us, I want to end the show with just a quick round the horn. Give me the biggest winner of the day today. And I don't want it to be what you toasted to since we had three separate clinks to the North Carolina Tar Heels. (laughs) If Tyler wants to go Tar Heel, that's totally fine by me. Give me the biggest winner of the day. McCall, I'm going to you here. Who you got?
4: Oh, man, I'm going to say Kansas, all right? They started the slate off. um, Great start to an unbelievable day of college basketball, and they took it to Indiana from start to finish. So I'm going to say Kansas, probably number one team in the country next week.
1: Goodman?
3: I mean, to me, it's field to 68. Not only do we have the game on, we had fucking Tyler Hansper on today. (laughs)
2: The
3: the greatest college basketball player in the last 20 years. Uh, We had Tyler Hansper on. One of my favorite kids of all, I I know I say kid, Tyler, you're still Mm -hmm. a kid to me. Um, (laughs) Watching Tyler grow as a person has been one of the coolest things for me to experience. And and I mean that Tyler, like, I don't want to get emotional on here or anything, but, but, but it's true. Like you didn't say two words when we first met and even throughout a lot of it, even though, you Mm -hmm. know, probably the most you ever talked is when I beat your ass in ping pong, right? it's gotta
2: be yeah but it's,
3: it's really cool to watch you on here you're so damn good at this i hope you continue to come on field the 68 after dark hopefully it won't be as late uh past your bedtime next time but uh i mean it man it, it it's it's really cool really cool
2: hey i appreciate you having me on and man this has been great
3: and um
2: yeah maybe more and I'll just do my toast. There's, there's no bigger winner than the Tar Heels today. I mean, our narrative for the rest of the season uh, could have been right down the toll if we would have lost this one big, but is a big win for the Tar Heels.
1: Cheers to that. All right, I'll wrap with uh, the obligatory UConn Huskies yeah. mention. There, uh, you go, uh, uh, there, there you go, Rob Doster. There you go. 22 point road win. That's, that's a good point. Nobody's talking about it.
3: No. Nobody's hey, no. talking I, about
1: it. This has been a this has been a running joke of mine where we get cut for time every time we're going to talk about <laughs> UConn. So uh to the Huskies, right, great win. Huskies. Maybe next time we'll talk about you here. Uh this was the field of 68 After Dark for Jeff Goodman, for Matt McCall, for Psycho T Tyler Hansbro My name is Greg Waddell, and we'll see you next time.